You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. So go with me to Philippians chapter 2, the book of Philippians chapter 2. Now, as you're turning there, I want to greet all those that are listening on, online. Thank you for joining us this morning. Glad you're listening. Uh, Philippians 2, and we're going we're gonna to start reading in verse 14. It says this, live a cheerful life. Okay. Let me read that again. Maybe, did I say that in German or something? You didn't understand it? It, said, it says, yeah, thank you. It said, live a cheerful life. That's the church on the move, I know. Without complaining or division among yourselves. You know, God, God is instructing us here that, man, there, we should be marked by joy. I mean, we should be set apart. We're talking about holy. Holy means to be set apart. We're set apart from the world. And one of the things that sets us apart is we have a joy about us when the world is you know, I've said this many times, in America, we use more med- uh, mental medications than, than the closest nation to us. We're double. We're 100% more than the closest nation to us. We self-medicate. That's the reason they're legalizing uh, marijuana and drugs more in these other states, because people are more and more self-medicating and, you know, taking prescription drugs. They're flying off the shelves. If you have a problem, you gotta, there's, a, there's something you can do to, to medicate it. And, and, you know, we're dealing with, with outbreaks, massive outbreaks of mental illness. Why? Because people who don't know Jesus don't have a joy about him. But we're supposed to have a joy and be different. Listen to what he says here. He says, live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For then, for then, you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. That sounds like it was written yesterday, right? But it was written thousands of years ago. Why? Because this isn't new. It isn't new that Christians are living among a brutal and perverse culture. It's not a new thing. This, this, is, this has happened many times in many other nations, many other cities, many other places. But God has a solution to it. He said, we're to live with some joy. Even among that mess, there still should be a joy about us. And he says this, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, holding out the words of eternal life. Say shine for me. Say it three times. Shine, shine, shine. God tells us to shine in the midst of this. In the midst of a brutality, in the midst of perversion, we're to shine. Our light is supposed to shine. And one of the marks of that is that when the world is depressed and down, we're still joyful. Well, Pastor Troy, what do we have to be joyful about? This is, this is commemoration day of 9-11. I can tell you what you have to be joyful about. Is that God is still on the throne, whether it's 9-11 or 9-12 or, or it's 2025 or 2020. It doesn't matter. God's on the throne. He's still in charge. He loves us, and we're still going to heaven. And we can have a joy about us having that inside of us. And so there should still be a joy about us. You know, I can talk about negative stuff and, and have conversations with people, but I still have a joy inside of me. 
Because, because I know God's on the throne. And he's not just on the throne in heaven. He's on the throne of our lives. My heart, your heart. And I know that in the end, we, we spend an eternity in heaven. If we live the maximum life that God placed on human beings, 120 years, that's nothing compared to an eternity in heaven. So no matter what we go through here, man, we, we've got this hope in front of us. We have a future in front of us. Paul said, I forget the past, and I press forward to this future that God has prepared for me in this life and the next. He said, man, I'm, just, I'm, I'm moving on. And you know, when Paul is writing this, he's in prison. He's in prison again. For the umpteen time, he's locked away in a prison. And I had a pastor friend that visited what they believed to be the prison that he was in, and it's still there. It's a big hole in the ground, and it stinks to high heaven today. It's, it stinks awful, awfully bad, because for, for, year, for hundreds of years, the prison was also where the sewer system ran through. So he's locked in the prison, and the sewer system, sewage system of, of the city of Philippi is running right in, right in front of him, in the prison with him. And he's chained into this place. But you know what happens to him in here? They see a joy on him, the Roman soldiers and the people guarding him. He leads, if you read Philippians, he leads a bunch of them to Christ. They give their lives to Jesus as the result of him being in this bad, horrible place. And still he has a joy about him in this ugly place. That's why he can say, hey man, quit, quit complaining and quit arguing among yourselves. I mean, if anybody can say it, it's Paul, because he had a right to complain. He'd been whipped three times with 39 lashes. He'd been shipwrecked twice out in the middle of the, uh, the Mediterranean, floating around for a day and a night twice. He, he'd been stoned to death, and they literally drug his dead body out, and God resurrected him, and he went. You know what he did? He went right back into the city and preached some more, the same place that stoned him. I mean, he'd, he'd, been, he'd been brutalized and beaten. People created mobs that beat him up all the time. And he was a little bitty fella, Paul was. And they beat him up. And, man, they tortured him. They locked him in prisons. and I mean, but he's in there going, hey, live a cheerful life. Even among this brutality and perverse culture, let that mark you. That you have a hope inside of you that overcomes this world. Let me say it again. You have a hope inside of you that overcomes this world. And this world's system and its world's thinking. He says this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. He said, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're not supposed to just read about Jesus on the pages. God wants us to experience Jesus, knowing him, what it's like to know him and to serve him and to live for him and what it's like for him to guide our life and lead us into our destiny and our purpose and to guide our sins, what it's like to wake up knowing that, that no matter what happens, man, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven. No matter what happens, God is for you. If everybody else is against you, God is for you. You know, that, that's the kind of hope and joy we're supposed to wake up to. And that he keeps saying this. He uses the word joy 19 times in just a couple of chapters of this letter to the church. I mean, joy, joy, joy. Matter of fact, he says, 
he says, he shouts it. They said he, uh, I think it's Timothy writing this, and Timothy's standing above this prison, and Paul is shouting this to Timothy. Hey, write down. The Holy Spirit wants me to tell you to write down, rejoice, and again I say I rejoice. I'm sure Timothy's like, wow. This guy is a man of God. He's got this kind of joy. He's been through all this junk, and now they lock him up again, and he's still saying, I rejoice, and again I say I rejoice. He said, man, I'm not going to limit my joy. I'm not going to, then he said this, or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience. He said, I'm not going to limit my praise, and I'm not going to limit my joy, no matter what is happening, because I know God will lead me, guide me. God's an overcomer. He'll teach me to overcome all the junk that this world throws at me. He'll heal my broken heart. He'll put my life back together. He'll forgive me of my sins. He'll love me and care for me. He'll help me overcome. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're amen. I heard a comedian say the other day, man, that his pastor told him that if they don't start amen, he's going to add two minutes to the clock every time they don't do it. Some of you won't be here for a while. A couple of you want out right now. Your amen is way too loud. You want to be dismissed now, right? Some of you are going to be here all day with me till you get happy. Why should we be happy? Paul says, even among a brutal and perverse culture, we should be happy. There should be a joy about us. You know, I think about 9-11, and I think about the terror that hit our nation. I think about how, how we, Julie and I watched that on TV in our living room in Clovis. And, man, we were watching that happen and how sad it was, how shocked we were. I think we went through all the emotions. Maybe some of you went through too. Man, I was shocked, and then I was sad, and then I just got flat out angry. Anybody with me? Go through those emotions, and I'm like, man, I don't know whoever did this, but man, there needs to be some justice. And you know, I think about now that spirit of terror, the spirit of terror. There is an actual spirit of terror. The Syrians were the first ones biblically to be called terrorists because they would terrorize the Jews back in thousands of years ago. They were the first ones to be called terrorists was the Arab world. And so, but I think about that, and I think about the families that have lost loved ones, but I also think about our culture today, that in cities around our nation, people are terrorized by crime, uh, man, being terrorized by homeless people, I mean, shouting, screaming, you know, just, just trashing their businesses, I mean, just being terrorized, and that spirit of terror that's risen up in our nation that we need to combat, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church isn't just me, and it's not just you. It's us. We have to stand up and be counted. You know, I think about 2 Timothy 1.7, where God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of, of power and love and wisdom. I gave you a spirit of power, love, and wisdom. And we don't need to react with fear. God said we're to react with joy and let our light shine. That when everybody else is miserable, we're like, you know what? I got some of the same issues you do, but there's a difference between me and you. I got this hope inside of me. His name is Jesus. And man, I believe that things are going to change and things are, I'm going to overcome and things are going to happen that are good for me and good for you too if you hang around me long enough. Right? That your light's going to shine to the world. 
And that's how, that's how, he said, that's how we're set apart. That's what holy means, that we're set apart. That's how we're set apart from the world. When they're smoking dope and drinking and miserable and taking all these meds and they're down and out all the time, man, we're, turning, we're running to God with our problems. We're running to God with our issues. And he's lifting us back up. And we have a joy about us that cannot be overcome. And it shines like a light in this darkness. And man, does the world need it now. It needed it then, and it needs it right now. It needs us to shine. It needs us to shine badly. It needs us to shine and stand up against fear because Benjamin Franklin said this. I thought this was pretty powerful, and people debate what context this was in, but I take it for what he said. He said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty or safety. They deserve neither one. You know what? That spirit of fear came in and we started giving up our rights, giving up our freedom. Then here comes the spirit of fear in the pandemic. We started giving up our freedoms. The spirit of fear is reigning over cities like Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, Detroit, reigning over Memphis right now. The spirit of fear. And so we're, we give up our rights. The more fear comes, that's not how it should work. We shouldn't give up freedom for temporary safety. We should stand up against the tyranny, against the injustice of this world, and demand justice. You have to understand, God's throne, the foundation of his throne, it says in the word, the, the very foundation his throne sits on is righteousness and justice. We need to pray to the God who makes things right and the God who brings justice, that he brings justice and righteousness to our lives, our families, our community, our state, and our nation. And we need to push back against the gates of hell. The only hope this world has is if the church rises up and pushes back. We turn out to vote. We turn up and we make our voices heard. They're trying to change Title IX right now. Matter of fact, they say they're gonna do it probably this week or next week. And they're gonna, they're gonna impose um, uh, males on females in sports. They're already doing it. I, I think I told you the story of a friend of mine, uh, Matthew Barnett, uh, just recently became friends with him. I've known about him for a long time, but he's known about me, but we recently became friends, and his daughter's one of the best runners in the whole nation. She's a freshman at West Virginia, started her sophomore year this year, but she ran in the World Games, and she ran against a man that shoved her twice, elbowed her several times, knocked her off her game. She still finished really strong in the world, but she wanted to win it. But man, he got in there and he was shoving her. He's a, he's a head taller than all the women, muscled up. He was a man running for Turkey, the nation of Turkey. Guys, if we ever want our, our girls to have female sports, we better put a stop to this stuff right now. Because I'm telling you, transvestites and others are gonna take over female sports. They're gonna be in the locker rooms with our daughters. And I'm telling you right now, I won't tolerate that once. I won't tolerate it once, but we don't need to tolerate it at all for anybody. But you know what? We have to stand up and let our voices be heard. You can contact, you can go on uh, federalregister.gov and click on non-discrimination on the basis of sex and check. Of course, that's how they, they say it. And you, and you go to the green box on that page and you can submit a formal comment. I'm going to encourage you, go on there and comment. The last day to comment is tomorrow. I just found out about this. The last day to comment is tomorrow. And we need to make our voices heard and say, hey, we don't want you to change Title IX. 
We don't want men and boys in the locker room with our girls and competing against them in athletics. We want our girls to have an opportunity to compete. We want them to be able to be in their locker room and not have to worry about these boys and these men going in their bathrooms and their locker rooms. This is real stuff, guys. This is real stuff, and this is what the church is supposed to be doing. The church is the one that rose up and demanded justice. It always has been the church. Why? Because we serve the God of justice, the God of what's right. So it has to be the church that has to have its voice heard. So I'm going to encourage you to go on there and make your voice heard. Say, I don't want you to change Title IX and allow boys and men in my daughter's, any girl's locker room, bathroom, anything. They also, in that same thing, are going to remove all parental rights. And they're going to state that if you go into a government school, which is every public school, that your children now belong to the state and not to you. And that if they want an abortion, they're going to, they already said that if they take over the, the House and Senate in November, they being the people who have taken over the Democratic Party, the liberals, the antichristers, they said, we're going to uh, bypass everything else and we're going to codify Roe versus Wade. And so what they're going to do, your, your daughter will be able to go to school, your sons be able to change their identity, change their gender, get medications, get an abortion without any parental notification or consent. At, at five years old all the way to, to 18 years old. And people say, keep the church out of that. That's political. That's not political, guys. That's as deeply spiritual as you can possibly be. That's good versus evil. That's God versus Satan. That's the church versus against the gates of hell. And we have to stand up and let our voices be heard. We have to stand up and say, no, you're not taking away our parental rights because our kids showed up in school. They've already done it in California. That's done. That was a done deal in California 15 years ago, and now it's gonna, they want to spread it across our whole nation. I know this. I know this for a fact. I ever see a man walk in the bathroom behind my daughter or my wife, I will respond. I will respond, and I, I expect every man in here to respond. And if you respond, I'll bail you out. Hopefully our police wouldn't even arrest you. That's so wrong. We've seen multiple, we've seen multiple rapes. We've seen multiple rapes in school bathrooms of girls when they have started allowing boys in there. Guys, you understand there's, a, there's such perversion that these guys will take advantage of that. Men will take advantage. They've been peeking under stalls. and I mean, it's, they've taken full advantage of this. The perverts will. We can't allow it, guys. We just can't allow it. That's not progress. The only thing that, that's progress going down, not progress going up. That's lowering human standards, not raising the human standard. And we have to stand up and say no more. We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, wisdom. And we're going to stand up with the spirit of our God. And we have to become what Jesus intended us to become. You're right there in Philippians. Go to Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is one book back. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27.
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27 says this. Actually, we're going to start reading in 25. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride, talking about the church. For he died for us, the church, sacrificing himself to make us, the church, holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. How do you become holy and pure? How do you become, we know the word holy means set apart, different, above. It means above. How do you do that? By the showering of the water of the word. We know when rain falls or when rain comes down, the earth soaks it up. The earth soaks it up. When we hear the word, we're supposed to soak it up. And what does it produce? It produces life. I've got the greenest, biggest weeds you've ever seen. Anybody else fighting a weed battle? I'm fighting a weed battle. I'm fighting a bug battle. Man, all this rain is, everything's multiplying, man. It's, life is happening. I got more ants, more everything. Right? Because, because when, when water falls, it produces life. That's why God compares his word to water. He said, it's like I want to shower you with my word. And when I shower you with my word, if you'll soak it up, you'll become more set apart. You'll become more joyful. You'll become a bigger overcomer. You'll grow in faith. You'll grow in love. You'll grow, 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 grow. And the life that Jesus said he came to give, he said, I came to give life and abundant life will start growing out of you. Will start coming out of you. It won't be enough for you. You'll have too much. It'll start flowing out of you, and you'll shine. You'll be different. You'll be set apart. I believe our church has been called to be different and set apart. Not self-righteous, not hypocritical. I believe that God has spoken this word about holy to me months ago to preach on this for this reason I'm about to talk about. He says this, all that he does in us, in the church, is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. This same thought about coming back to a spotless church is written about in prophecy that God is coming back for a church like this. I believe God put it in my heart to begin to preach on holy because he's preparing us. I don't know if it's this year, I don't know if it's next year, I don't know if it's 50 years from now, but he's preparing the church right now. I believe a lot of this evil has popped up because it's, it's a dividing line between those that are set apart for God and those that wanna cooperate with this evil world. Those that wanna think like, act like, and talk like this evil world versus those that are saying, hold on a second, man, I'm, I'm set apart by God. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. The Holy Spirit leads us to holy. That's he guides us to be set apart, even more set apart from the culture of this world. You know, I read this week that New Mexico is number one in cussing in the nation. Number one, Albuquerque, El Paso, and someplace in New Jersey lead the top of the list. But as a state, we're number, we're number one. Once again, we're first where we want to be last and last where we want to be first. Guys, that, the only reason that has happened is because we have not let our voices be heard enough. Not enough in that a lot of times the church sounds like, acts like, and talks just like, just like the world. Just like the world. And our children 
go home and we're supposed to let our light shine at home more than any place else. And they hear us cussing. They hear us speaking like that. They, they see us acting like that. They see families committing sexual sin. And they're like, that's my example? God's calling the church out. This is a message for the body of Christ. This is a message for you and me. We gotta be separate. We gotta, we gotta stand and let the Holy Spirit lead us to be pure, to be holy, to be mature. That we don't have to use the, that language. We don't use it around our children. We don't use it around others. That's not who we are. It's awful quiet in this cussing church I pastor, man. I, you guys must cuss a lot. Didn't hear any amens on that. What I heard was add two more minutes to the clock. <laughs> Got to talk about cussing some more. Get that cussing out of you. But seriously, we can't, we can't expect our children to understand what it's like to shine if we're not shining at home. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. The greatest place you need to be a Christian is in your home. That's where the line is really drawn. We can't, we can't have the same sexual issues, the same cussing problems, the same cheating problems, the same lying problems as the world and be different. That doesn't shine. That doesn't shine. We gotta be different. We can't be in the bars on Friday and Saturday and in the church on Sunday and think that our life is shining. Listen, I've been there where I was in the bars on Friday and Saturday night and then went to church on Sunday. I'm not saying don't come to church. You need to, I, I went because I knew if I didn't go, there was no way I was gonna get free from the Friday and Saturday night. How I got free is I never quit going to church and as I went to church, I learned to be holy. I learned to be set apart, that my life was called to be different. And that I needed to shine a light into that darkness. And I didn't shine a light in that darkness by being part of the darkness. When I separated myself from my friends and party buddies and all the bars and all the girls, all the stuff, that's when my light began to shine. That's when people began to take notice and say, man, Smotherman, you're different. I'm like, yeah, I am. And the difference in me is Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. That's the only difference. That's the difference in us. And it should make a difference. It should make a difference in us. It should make a difference. We shouldn't act like the world. Guys, we got, man, in order to have a chance of, of reaching the lost and reaching people, we have to be different. We have to be different. We have to live by God's standard, not this world's standard. This world's standard is way down. I mean, be, you can gender identify as a rock or a tree. I mean, they don't care what you are. I mean, the world's standard keeps getting lower and lower and lower. That's why we gotta lift God's standard higher and higher and higher by how we conduct our lives. Not once have Julie and I cussed each other. Not once. We clean that up. I don't know if she ever did, but I cussed like a sailor. And man, God cleaned my mouth up. He cleaned it up. When I got saved, I realized that I'd hear myself speak and go, oh gosh, that's not good. 
You know, he didn't beat me up. He just led me out of it. He taught me to clean my language up, that I wasn't shining around people. I was entering in. He taught me to clean my thoughts up, my eyes up, my attitude up, my actions up. And no one's perfect at it, but I know for a fact, and I know because I look around this room, God can change a human life. He can raise your standard by pouring out his word upon you and you soaking that word in. And being led by the Holy Spirit. And let me, let me say this too. Go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. It says this in one, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. I love that. And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Jesus said love separates us out. He said, if you say you love me, but you don't obey me, he said, you're a liar. He said, you're lying. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. If you say you love me, but you don't, you don't obey me, you don't like obeying me, he said, you're a liar. Then he said this. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love for God means obeying his commands. Two things, this is it. First, obeying him, true love. Listen, I, Julie and I, um, we have a true love, and I, I'm sorry I always use this as an example, but I don't know who else's example to use. I know other people in this room are like this. We have a true love, and because we have a true love, I don't, there's, certain things, there's certain things I will not do. And there's certain things I do because we have a true love. So out of true love, it inspires us to do things that are right and not do things that are wrong. That's what God's saying. If you truly love me, then you'll have a heart. It doesn't mean you're perfect at it, and you gotta start wherever you're at. I mean, I started, guys, I was way down here. I cussed, I drank, I did this, I did that, but I knew the Holy Spirit was in me, and the Holy Spirit kept leading me to another standard and setting me apart and purifying my life, purifying my mouth, purifying my imagination. Now I imagine parks and buildings and Dream Center, New Mexico, we're feeding the poor and we're housing people and man, we're blessing people and we're helping people. Before my imagination was all about evil, but see, as, when, you give your, when you truly accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes live in here and you start soaking up the water of his word, you start soaking in the word and soaking up the word, man, life just begins to pop out of you. And you start saying, nah, man, I don't want that death. I want this life. And then it becomes easy to obey. It's easy because it's not like some religious duty. Not like, I, I got to obey God. No, man, when I disobeyed, my heart hurt. I'm like, golly, I hate that, Lord, because I love you and I know you love me. And, he, and I didn't love God naturally. God said he, he sheds his love. He pours out his love through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He even teaches, he gives us love and then teaches us what love is. When you accept Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and the love of God comes in with it. And he, he puts love in you and then he teaches you what that is like and how it acts and how it feels. It's amazing. He gives us that. 
and will guide you and direct you. The closer you get to him, the more he waters that, the more love will grow out of you. The more love, the more faith. The more love, the more faith, the more mighty moves of God you'll see and we'll experience together. He said two things. True love for God means obeying his commands and his commands, I love this one, don't weigh us down as a heavy burden. Man, I know people that act like, man, it's so hard to serve God. Golly, guys. You must have not lived hard in the world. It was hard being in the world, waking up hungover and drunk and people dying around me, everybody miserable, drunk and high and acting like a fool. Man, I acted like a fool when I was drunk and high. I acted like a fool. I did so many foolish things I regret. That was hard. Living like that was hard. Living for God? Golly. He said, "My, you come." He said, "All of you that are heavy burdened, weighed down by this life, he said, "Come to me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light." Man, oh, serving and obeying Him is the easiest thing I've ever done. Now it's hard on your flesh because you got to say no to yourself, your selfishness. That's the only hard part. Once you start saying no to yourself and your selfishness, man, serving God becomes easier and easier. I don't, I don't even know another lifestyle at this point. I hope none of you have a plan B. I have no plan B. I burn no ships. I'm done with that nonsense. I'm done with that. Man, I hate alcohol. I've seen all the damage it's done. I don't hate people that drink it. I hate alcohol itself and the foolishness and the molestation and the evil it produces in families, the abuse, the damage that it does, the destruction of homes and families and children that it does. We got to be different. I said, we got to be different. That's what holy is, different, set apart, a higher standard of living that God not only calls us to, but he helps us to live. He says this, it shouldn't be heavy. It shouldn't be a heavy burden. If you, it's not a heavy burden for me not to cheat on Julie because I love her. That's not, a, that's not a burden. Oh, man, I just can't cheat on Julie anymore. I mean, that's stupid funny, right? It's not, it's, it's not a heavy burden that I carry to obey and to do things right because I love her. And when you, when you allow the love of God to, to enter in and grow into you, you receive it by the water of the word. The word waters that love, and the more it grows, the easier and easier it is is to say, man, of course I'm not doing that. Man, I love doing this. I love doing right instead of wrong. Man, church, we've got to be, we live in the state that is desperate need of light. The state of New Mexico is desperate in need of light. I talked to someone the other day, said, man, yeah, I really considered moving to Roswell, but I looked at the crime rate and I said, no, 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 no. You can't look at crime rates in Roswell, Albuquerque, any of the cities in New Mexico and not say, I don't know about that. I don't want to take my family there. Look at our educational system. We dropped down from 49th to 50th in caring for children. When are we going to wake up and realize we're the answer? The church of God is the answer. We're the solution. We can't be part of the problem and part of the solution at the same time. When we, when we do this right here, watch what God does. 
That darkness, we'll start driving that darkness out of our state, out of our city, out of our schools, out of our children. We'll start driving it out. I mean, it'll start leaving. It'll have to leave because when light shows up, darkness goes away. But we got to flip the light switch on. We have to turn the light switch on in the church first. It starts with us. God says judgment always begins in the house of the Lord. Always begins in his own house. Where does discipline begin? I, I discipline my children before, I, before I'll discipline someone else's children, right? Hopefully that's true for all of us. He starts with us. He put this message in my heart because he said he's starting right here, right now at Church on the Move. And they'll say, if it can be done in Roswell, it can be done anywhere. They'll say that around the nation. Mark my words. They'll say it around the nation. They'll say it around the whole world. If it can be done in Roswell, it can be done anywhere. And we're the people called to do it. And I'm quoting somebody. I'm quoting. I'm quoting Paul Youngie Cho, the pastor of the largest church in all of the world in Seoul, South Korea, before he passed away. He said that about Roswell, New Mexico. He said, right here, in this spot, in this place, a light will shine to the nations. Not quoting me. That's not something I've said. It's something he said. He'd never been here. He's never been here. He knows nothing about Roswell. That happened 30, 30 years ago, I think, when he spoke that over our city. So guess what? God's calling us out to be separate, to be holy. And, and you know, sometimes it's lonely. I want to say to the young people, I've got three of my sons sitting right here. I remember how many Friday and Saturday nights they were at the house because they weren't out partying and messing around. How many Friday and Saturday nights they spent at the house or they'd be at their, their, old, their stomping grounds, Whataburger. <laughs> I should own part of this Whataburger here because I paid for more food. They'd be sitting down with their friends down there eating Whataburger, hanging out because they weren't, they weren't going to do those things in high school. And it was a little lonely because you didn't have all your party buddies. But what's it worth? When I quit, when I quit partying, man, my, buddy, my friends quit calling. I went through college with, with the only friends I had were married couples. I was the third wheel every Friday and Saturday night, man. You know what? I didn't care. I tasted darkness. Man, I had my belly full of that. I didn't care what it took. I didn't care if I was alone every night. Just me and Jesus, I was all right. Look where it's led. Look where taking a stem when I was 18 led. And I wasn't perfect at it. I fell. I, I made lots of mistakes. But guess what? God kept picking me up. I kept running home. He kept accepting me back. That's what God wants to do. He wants to pour out his love in us and through us. I always say he wants to give us a life worth living and giving away. Shine. He wants us to shine. He wants us to shine. Even in the darkest times, that's when we need to shine the brightest. 
Here in, a, here in about a month or so, we're going to march to Roswell, 34 miles. For some who can make it, you might only make it a mile or a few miles or whatever. But we're going to march around this whole city, and we're going to pray. We're going to break the spirit of oppression off our city. It's coming. I'm trying to lose some weight so I can get around the whole thing. 34 miles, is not, that's not easy. That's more than a marathon. Thank God we're walking, not running. But guys, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for our families, for our children, for our children's children, for the people, even the people living in darkness that are opposed to us. I, I want them to be free, don't you? Don't you want them to know Jesus? They're our family. They're our friends. They're people we work with and know. It's going to be the body of Christ to be holy. we got to be separated. When they see, I hope, hundreds of people marching down the highway and all the way around the city. They're going to see us out in the country because I've mapped it out. Me and Pastor Sergio mapped it out. It's going, it's going to freak some rabbits out. Are we going to be freaked out? Like, where did all these people come from? Some cows are going to be like, wow, what's that? A herd of people. People on the highway are going to be like, what are these people doing out here? But we're going to pray, men, and we're going to, we're going to tear down walls that have oppressed this city and our valley for long enough. It's time to be the body of Christ, to be the church. Amen. Let's be the church. Listen, every eye closed. Man, I don't care what your background is. We got people from every background in here, from gangs to drugs to alcohol, the bars, you name it. Cowboys, gangbangers, you name it. We got it. From every walk of life, from the north side and south side, east and west side of Roswell, from the valley down in Hagerman and Dexter, Midway, all the way to Artesia. Every walk of life, people from other places that have come, lost and hurting. They didn't leave that way, and they aren't that way now. Jesus isn't offering you a perfect life. He's offering you an overcomer's life. That he'll make your life count for something. A higher purpose than what you could live for, living selfishly. I always say this, he'll give you a life worth living and giving away in this life, and then he gives you eternal life forever in heaven. That's the gift of love and grace and mercy he's offering you right now. He's offering, he won't make you take it. He won't make you do it. He won't make you do anything. God's a perfect gentleman. He offers you his leadership, his lordship, his kingdom. He offers to adopt you as a son or daughter. His hand is extended to you. What will you do? Will you slap it away? How many times have you done that and said, no, nah, no, nah, I still want to do this. I got, I'm hanging on to this. When's that going to run dry? Has it not already dried your heart out and your mind out? Has it not already cost you so much? 
For those that are moms and dads out there, why would you pass those curses down to your children? You want them to have it too? I know you don't. And you might be here today or online watching thinking, I'm looking for a way out. Let me tell you, the door, the way out, the door is Jesus. Accepting him as the Lord of your life, saying, man, my life's not my own. He died and gave up his life for me. Now I'm going to die to myself and give up my life for him. So that my family can be free. My friends can be free. My children can be free from generational curses, addictions, problems, issues. Who's going to take that stand if not for you? If you're here this morning and you've never prayed to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, you've never sincerely accepted His mercy, His forgiveness, His Lordship, never accepted his salvation, his rescue plan for your life, that he'll rescue you, your life, not just in heaven, but he rescues your life right here, right now. If you've never done that, I'm going to do two altar calls today. Here's the first one. If you've never prayed, but you want to pray today, please don't slap his hand away. Each time you do that, your heart gets harder. It gets harder and harder to say yes. Say yes today. If you're online and it's, you've never prayed, I want you to send us a message saying, I'm praying for the first time right now. Right now, do that. In this room, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm praying for the first time today. Just those for the first time. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and say, I'm getting right with God today. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Say, it's me too. I'm getting right with God for the first time. Thank you. It's my first time. Today's my day. You can put those hands down now. Anybody else want to join them? First time. All right. This is for the, the next one. This is for the people. Man, I, I prayed and I meant it, but then I, I, I would fall, and I, I just kept running back, and I'd pray this prayer. Every time I ran back to church, I'd pray this prayer, and I didn't, I didn't get tired of it because I knew God never got tired of it. I never get tired of my children coming home. God doesn't either. He's greater than a man. He has more than enough mercy and grace for you. So if you need to run home because you've run away, run back to the world, you've had enough again, come on back today. On the count of three, you raise your hand and say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get right too. One, two, three. Raise your hand and say, it's me. I'm coming back home. Come on, raise your hand up. There's a bunch of you. Come on. Thank you. You can put those hands down. Online, you can send now a message saying, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And I don't don't care how many times you run home. I ran home time after time after time. Because God's not a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Anybody else want that chance? Raise your hand right now. Say, I'm going to pray too. I'm going to get it right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, church, let's pray with these that are here in this room. We're also going to pray with you online. Man, just pray this with us. I don't care if it's today or Friday you're watching this. God loves you. He wants to save you right now, right where you're at. 
He wants to make your life right with Him. So pray this. Say this. Everybody say it with them. Say, God, I believe you are God in God alone. I believe you love us and love me. You sent Jesus to die for our sins, all the things we've done wrong. And his holy blood was given for my unholy blood. He paid my penalty, my price. And I thank you for that. I believe that. I not only believe that, but I believe you raised him from the dead. Jesus is alive. And that was your rescue plan, to raise me from the dead, from the inside out. I believe that. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive a full pardon from all my past. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit living inside of me, guiding and directing me, teaching me how to live life in this life to the full. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. We always celebrate. Celebrate the goodness of God. God's good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.